Hey, Abbott, what time is it? It's time for the Abbott and Costello Show. We're on the air for ABC here in Hollywood. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go with the Abbott and Costello Show. Yes, it's the Abbott and Costello Show, produced and transcribed in Hollywood for your listening and laughing pleasure with chuckles with a carload and music by Matty Malnick. So hold on to your chairs, folks, for here they are, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. That racket. Where have you been all day? Well, now, let me see. Oh, Abbott. Ha-ha. What a mad social world. Take today, for instance. I had breakfast at Romanoff's, lunch at the Brown Derby, tea dancing at the Biltmore, and cocktails at Ceros. My, my. You were busy, weren't you? I almost didn't get to the employment office for my check. <laughs> Say, Abbott, what's that all over your suit? Oh, coming over here, some dope spilled a whole bottle of bourbon all over me. Ha-ha. Now, what's so funny? That's the first time the drinks have ever been on you. I... <laughs> That's very funny, Costello. Why, okay. why don't you devote your time to something useful? Oh, I have, Abbott. I just invented a plane that travels faster than sound. This morning, the pilot took off from Burbank, and five minutes later, I got a long-distance call from Chicago. Amazing. Amazing. You mean the, the, the pilot called? No, it was the wrong number. Uh, uh... <laughs> you and your inventions. Why don't you get married and settle down and get a real job? Oh, I wouldn't get married, Abbott. Girls are just like phonograph records. Girls are just like phonograph records. Why? You... Oh, how should I know? Am I a philosopher? I... <laughs> Why do you bother with girls when, <laughs> when you're not going to get married, Lou? You've been going with that uh, car hop for weeks now. Yes, and yesterday I bought her a fur coat. Uh, a, a fur coat? A fur coat. <laughs> <laughs> with her figure? <laughs> what, what good will a fur coat do? Have it. If the gravy looks good, a fella don't care if the potatoes are lumpy. I... <laughs> And there'll be much more of that terrific Abbott and Costello humor in just a few seconds after we hear a special message from this gentleman. Cut out that noise and come over here. What, what are you so happy about? 
It's a most unusual day. What are you so happy about? What am I so yeah. happy about? Here it is in the middle of winter, Rabbit. The sun is shining and the weather's grand. I love California. So do I. There's practically no winter weather. No. Practically no unemployment. Practically no bad roads. Yeah, and the way people drive in California, I figure in two years, there'll be practically no pedestrians. <laughs> Where have you been all afternoon, Lou? Well, I went to the movies. I saw my favorite movie star in his latest picture. I've seen it 21 times already. What a knack to that guy is. Now, what picture are you talking about? Africa Screams. Africa Screams? That's our picture and you're in it. Can I help it if I'm crazy about me? <laughs> Costello, you're an egotistical nincompoop. That did it, Abbott. You and your family have got to stop insulting me. Yesterday, your, nef your nephew Norman said I was the cheapest, ugliest, fattest, most broken-down comedian he ever saw. Well, why don't you sue him? What good would that do? He says he can prove it. Uh... <laughs> well, never mind that. What's that package you've got under your arm? It's an English teapot I bought for my Aunt May. You know, she collects stuff. When did she start collecting stuff? About 20 years ago, she started off with an early Italian mug. And now? Uncle Mike is still with her. <laughs> Your Uncle Mike and Aunt May have been together a long time, haven't they? Well, Abbott, why not? They have the same like and dislikes. They have? Yes, she don't like him and he dislikes her. <laughs> Your Uncle Mike is a lot like uh, my Uncle Charlie. He's got a bad temper when he gets mad. He, he gets like a madman uh, for months. Ah, madman months. What's uh, he doing lately, Abbott? Oh, how did your Uncle Mike meet your Aunt May in the first place, Lou? Well, he was a student in the barber college, and his first customer was Aunt May. Well, did he propose to her while he was cutting her hair? No, it wasn't until after he gave her a shave and a hot towel that he realized how beautiful she was. <laughs> and then he proposed to her. No, he proposed to her at the boarding house, and that's where he got in trouble. What do you mean? Well, you see, Aunt May is hard of hearing. And he had to propose to her so loud that four old maids across the hall sued him for breach of promise. Well, they've been married 20 years now. Yeah. How many children have they got, Lou? Fifteen. But I don't think they're going to have any more. You see, Uncle Mike is moving out of the house. Well, what's the matter? Doesn't he love Aunt May anymore? Oh, he loves her all right, but there just isn't enough room for him anymore. He won't move out of the house, Lou. No? Ah, he's been saying that for months. He's just stalling. Well, he's been stalling a lot lately, Abbott, and Aunt May don't like it. What makes him stall like that, though? It must be that cheap gas he's drinking. <laughs> you mean cheap booze. <laughs> he ought to stop drinking. Yes, drinking whiskey gave him the DTs. He trembles like a leaf. Well, uh, why don't he uh, try drinking milk? He did. Uh, did that help him? No. Now he's got the milkshakes. Uh... <laughs> Is Uncle Mike uh, working now? Yeah, he's a coal miner. Every morning he goes down to the mine carrying a parrot in a cage. Ah, oh, wait a minute. I this never heard of like. a miner carrying a, a parrot in a cage. They use canaries. The canary mm. warns them about gas. Well, he thinks a parrot is much better than a canary. Why? Well, a canary only warns you to get out. A parrot can tell you which way to go. Hey, Lou, didn't your Uncle Mike used to be a deep-sea uh, fisherman? Yeah, he was on a whaling boat. Once he caught a whale, it weighed three tons. He dragged him in and cut him up to get the fat stuff. Blubber? What was that? Uh, whale blubber? Yeah, he cried a little when Uncle Mike started cutting him. <laughs> <laughs> your Aunt May has put up with... Your Aunt, May... your, your Aunt May has put up with a lot from your Uncle Mike. Oh, yeah. She's a wonderful woman, though. You're right, Abbott. You know, Aunt May was one of the first bloomer girls. Uh, you mean she wanted votes for women? No, she just wanted to keep warm. <laughs> You should be kind to your Aunt May, Costello. She's been awfully kind to you. Yes, she is, Abbott. She certainly is. Last Saturday night, I took her to the movie Stars Dance. Each one of the stars got up and did a thing that made them famous on a screen. They did? Yes, Fred, Fred Astaire got up and danced. Judy Garland got up and sang. Roy Rogers got up and played his guitar. And then Humphrey Bogart got up and shot six couples. 
Who are you? Oh, just one of the new long evening dresses. <laughs> Abbott, if you don't keep that guy out of here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll let us hem down another four inches. Why do you insist on having your relatives on this show? Oh, never mind. Now, my Uncle Harry's a great actor. He's got plenty on the ball. He may have plenty on the ball, but somebody must have sawed the handle off his bat. <laughs> now, Abbott, why don't you take your Uncle Harry and your nephew Norman and buy him two tickets to Atlanta? Uh, what for? To show those Georgia crackers what a couple of real crumbs look like. Uh, don't get fresh with me, Costello. Remember, I've saved my money. I guess you're right, Abbott. You got yours. I can't seem to save a dime. Well, that's just it. If you'd let me handle your money, I'd invest it for you. Make mm-hmm. you rich. You'd mm-hmm. have enough money to give away thousands away before before you could say Jack Robinson, you, you, you'll be known as a philanthropist. Before you could say philanthropist, I'll be known as Jack Robinson. <laughs> oh, I'm wasting my time with you, Costello. You're not the businessman type. Oh, I guess I'm more the playboy type. More on the romantic type. I'm moron. I'm moron. I'm the moron type. <laughs> well, if you had any sense, you'd make some good investments. For instance, instead of paying rent, buy an apartment house and collect rent. Hey, you're right, Abbott. Landlords make ham money hand over first. No, no, you mean hand over fist. In Hollywood, it's hand over first, or you don't get the apartment. <laughs> building, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be moving all the time. By the way, where are you living now? Oh, I have a lovely place in North Hollywood. It's got a wonderful view. Why, on a clear day, you can see... Uh, what? You can see what? As soon as we get a clear day in North Hollywood, I'll tell you. <laughs> dummy. Smog, you know. Smog, you're a dummy. Now, take me. Smog I just built... gets in your Will you keep quiet? I just built four lovely California-style apartment houses. Yes, and you can't beat those California-style apartment houses. Why not? You can't beat them. If you do, the walls will fall down. <laughs> Not my apartment houses. I've got the best kind of construction. I've seen your houses. They're all waterproof. How do you know? Well, the last time it rained, they filled up with water. Not a drop leaked out. <laughs> hello, boy. Look, hello, Costello, hello. it's our secretary, Viola Vaughn. Viola, you look marvelous tonight. You look wonderful. You look terrific. Well, if I look so good, Lou, why don't you give me a kiss? Well, I... Oh, now, come on. What's the matter? Don't you want to kiss her? When I ask myself if I should kiss you, my heart says yes, but my head says no. Well, I'll see you later. Where are you going? To get my head examined. <laughs> uh, wait a minute, Costello. What are you doing with that pocket mirror? Have you gone nuts? Yes. I notice that every time I come out here, you pull out the pocket mirror and stare at it. Now, well, what's the idea? My mother told me to do it. Your mother told you? Yes, she said, son, when that viola van is around, watch yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Costello, you're sharp tonight. You're really effervescent. I beg your pardon? I said you're effervescent. Sure, I'm effervescent. Did you ever see me when I ever wasn't? You did that joke last week, Costello. I know, but I've been listening to the Fred Allen Show, and that type of comedy is coming back. Uh, you, you know, Costello, there isn't another comedian in the whole world like you. Ah, uh, thank you, Viola. That's flattering. Yes, it's a good thing, too. 
Didi. I'll have you know that I'm a very popular actor. When I played, get those two guys reading the script in the first row. <laughs> There's Abbott and Costello in the first row. I didn't get any laughs with those pages, neither will you, brother. <laughs> or maybe you will. Now, where did I leave off? I got to start chalking up my cue again here. I'm really missing out here. I'm going to have you know that I'm a very popular actor, Viola. Well, when I played the Roxy Theater in New York, I drew a line in front of the theater, theater three blocks long. You did? Yes. Uh, then the cop came along and took away his, <laughs> took away his chalk. <laughs> that was a funny one. Yeah. <laughs> Abbott, read your own lines. Well, I don't like to show you boys up, but you know, I was born in a theatrical family. Yes? Uh, you were? Oh, yes. When I was only six months old, I did an act with my mother. What did your mother do? She was a quick change artist. <laughs> I wonder how much I could get as a single. Oh, cut it out, Costello. There's lots of better actors in the world besides you. Viola has plenty of talent. She's going to play the love interest in our next picture. Oh, that's wonderful. You'll be working with me, Viola. Come on, let's rehearse a love scene. I'll show you how to read it. All right, go ahead. Let's hear how you make love. Very well. Viola, you are so beautiful. Your skin has got the milky whiteness of an alabaster statue. Did I read that right? <laughs> your ruby lips are like two red-hot coals. Yes, yes. And your eyes. Oh. Your eyes are like liquid pools of flowing amber. Oh, come closer to me, Costello. As soon as I get on the next page, I will. <laughs> Viola, your gorgeous figure is like a tender flower in the moonlight. Oh, Costello, my sweet. Yes. Viola, my love. Costello, can you hold your script with one hand while you're reading that? I certainly can. Well, then hold mine in your other hand, because I'm going out to get a cup of coffee with Abbott. <laughs> I just wonder. Now, while we take a 60-second intermission, we'd like you to consider this. Ladies and gentlemen, Abbott and I would like you to listen to our new singer, Hal Winters, a very charming little chap. Now, here he is with Matty Malnick's orchestra.
that makes the lonely winter seem long. You are the breathless hush of evening that trembles on the brink of a lovely song. You are the angel glow that lights a star. The dearest things that I know are what you are. So Sam Shovel Detective Cabaret it says, Dear Lou Costello, a Sam Shovel Detective, you are my favorite comic. I think you're the nuts. I like Abbott too. I think he's the nuts. In fact, your whole program is the nuts. I'm coming over to take you out tonight. There's somebody to see you guys. Show the man in. It's no man, it's a squirrel with a big empty bag. <laughs> oh, never mind him. Uh, what is your Sam Shovel Detective mystery about tonight? Well, Abbott, it's a very interesting case. I call it the case of the farmer who couldn't stand the mooing of a sick cow, so he shot her. Or stop the moo sick. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on with the case. I think so. And now the makers of grit, the non-skid toilet soap, <laughs> present the adventures of Sam Shovel, private detective. But first, a word about our product, grit soap. Grit soap contains helium. It won't sink, it won't float. It just hovers in the air three feet above the tub. <laughs> and girls, remember our slogan. She's gorgeous. She's engaged. She uses grit soap. If she used any other soap, she'd have been married ten years ago. <laughs> and ladies, remember, grit soap is safe for washing silk, wool, or nylon. It's safe even for baby skin. But don't leave it on the drain board. It eats through tile. <laughs> and now, Grit Soap presents your favorite mystery program, Sam Shovel, Private Detective. Yes, I'm Sam Shovel, Private Detective. I've been up all night. I think I'll lay down on the sofa. There's a sign on it. 
It says this sofa is not to be used after 6 p.m. Must be a day bed. <laughs> I decide to take off my shoes. They're two-tone shoes. <laughs> I realize I haven't eaten all day. I think I'll put a couple of sandwiches under my belt. I'm still hungry. I take the sandwiches from under my belt and eat them. <laughs> a bee just flew in my window. He's buzzing around my head. C-A-T. D-O-G. It's a spelling bee. <laughs> I pick up my morning paper. I look at the used car ads. For sale, black, high-powered Hudson sedan. Bulletproof body and bulletproof windshield. Driven only a few careful miles by an old gangster in Pasadena. <laughs> I, <laughs> I put down the paper and glance out the window. Across the street, two pickets are picketing the barbershop. They're carrying swords. They start fighting. It's the first time I ever saw a picket fence. <laughs> While away the time, I decide to turn on my police radio. Attention, cars 22, 46, and 93. Rush north at once to Hollywood and Vine. Don't stop for anything. Cars 6, 11, 33, and 15. Rush south to Hollywood and Vine. Don't stop for anything. Calling Officer Murphy at Hollywood and Vine. Get on your feet. You're going to see the goddamnest car wreck in the history of Los Angeles. <laughs> that is all. One thing about our traffic cops. They protect our citizens against pickpockets. I saw a sign on Sepulveda Boulevard yesterday. It said, caution, dip ahead. <laughs> I think of my pal, Lieutenant Abbott of the Homicide Squad. He was a terrific cop, but they promoted him on account of his terrific mind. Abbott's got a mind like a steel trap. He can't think good with it, but last year alone it caught 85 mice. <laughs> Abbott has a wonderful wife, what a woman. I'd like to get her on a slow boat to China. Then buy myself a ticket to New York <laughs> Every time Lieutenant Abbott leaves the house He kisses his wife twice He has to, she's two-faced <laughs> Abbott is a plenty tough cop He's got ice water in his veins When he cuts himself shaming He don't need a doctor, he needs a plumber <laughs> Just as I said this, Lieutenant Abbott rushed in He was all excited, he said Quick, quick, Sam There's a, a strange-looking animal digging up your backyard Hand me a pail of dirt Another pail of dirt Another pail of dirt. That's Lieutenant Abbott, always trying to make a mountain out of a molehill. <laughs> I look at Lieutenant Abbott's eyes. One was the color of coconut custard. The other eye was the color of lemon meringue. As usual, Abbott is pie-eyed. <laughs> Sam. Someone threw a rock through that window. There's a note tied to it. Says, dear Sam, the merry gang has me cornered in my house. There's 30 of them. They all got guns. Come at once. Signed, Susie Q. Potatoes. <laughs> Come on, Lieutenant. We got to help Susie. You and I are going to fight those 30 gangsters. Sam, you can't fight 30 armed gangsters. You're not in shape. You're too puny. You'll get killed. Okay, Lieutenant. You convince me. Good. You fight them alone. Uh <laughs> Talk sense, Sam. We're going we're to we're need help on this job. I know. I'll call up my friend Roy Rogers. He's plenty tough. That Roy Rogers runs into burning buildings and kills 50 Indians single-handed. He jumps off high cliffs into ice-cold water, battles 100 rustlers single-handed. I'm going to call Roy Rogers. Hello, Roy Rogers. This is Sam Shovel. I need your help. Come over right away. What's that? 
That's too bad. Goodbye. Roy Rogers can't come. Why not? It's foggy, and his mother won't let him out of the house. <laughs> well, Sam, it's up, it's up to us to save Susie. We're going to her house right away. Lieutenant Abbott and I arrive in Susie's neighborhood, the toughest part of town. Nothing but thieves and drunkards. The only section of Los Angeles where the grocery stores sell their milk and fifths. <laughs> it's really tough in this neighborhood. On the corner, I see a crook selling a policeman a ticket to the gangster's ball. <laughs> I notice a clock on the corner. The hands of the clock are wearing brass knuckles. I notice a building across the street. It's a fiver mint. The kids tore half of it down for Halloween. It used to be a tenement. I turn to my pal, Lute. Don't laugh. Don't look at me. I don't write this stuff. <laughs> I turn to my pal, Lieutenant Abbott. Abbott, this is a real tough neighborhood. Look at those little girls over there tossing jacks. Sam, lots of little girls plays with jacks. Automobile jacks. <laughs> Come on, Sam. We've got to save Susie. Remember how you used to be in love with her? How you worshipped her? How you used to kiss the ground she walked on? Yes, I kissed the ground she walked on, and what did it get me? What? Muddy lips. <laughs> Shh! Sam, here's the back door of Susie's house. I'll knock on the door. Who is it? Man or beast? It's Lieutenant Abbott and Sam Shovel. Oh, one of each. <laughs> Come in. The door opened, and there she stood. Susie Q. Potatoes, the most beautiful girl I ever knew. I remember when she came to this town and she got her first job. She started from scratch. She was a model for woolen underwear. <laughs> Sam, oh, Sam Shovel, I knew you'd come. I knew you wouldn't fail me. Oh, I still love you, Sam. And I'm going to prove it by giving you a kiss that'll make your eyes light up. Wow. <laughs> there, how was that? Why don't you dim your lights? Ah, <laughs> oh, Sam, I'm so happy to know that you still care for me. The day you left me three years ago, I was all broken up. You were all broken up? Yeah. Well, whoever put you together again did a swell job. <laughs> Never mind that, Susie. Your note said the gangsters had you cornered. Where are they? <laughs> They're in the next room, and they won't let me out of the house. What are you going to do about it, Sam? How many of them are there? The 30 tough mugs. Susie, I'm going in there. I'm going to throw them out here one at a time. You stand here and count them. One. Wait a minute. That's me. Get him out of here. Hi, Jens, in just a moment, folks, after a little advice from this time.
Well, Costello, we're a little late, so you better say thanks to this lovely audience in the studio and to all the swell people who are listening in at home. Thanks for listening, folks. And I would like to thank the people that help us bring you this show every Thursday night. Our writing staff is headed by Eddie Foreman with Paul Conlon, Pat Costello, Martin Ragaway, and Leonard Stern. And thanks to Maddie Malnick and all his boys and our vocalist, Hal Winters. And thanks also to our producer, Charles Vander. We'll be back again at the same time next Thursday. Good night, folks. Good night, everybody in Patterson. Good night. Listen each Thursday night at this time for another great Abbott and Costello show, produced and transcribed in Hollywood. Be sure to stay tuned for the outstanding entertainment which follows throughout the evening on this ABC station. <laughs>